Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast number four. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. Each week we watch a movie and we sit down here to talk about it. This week we are talking about The Visitation, directed by Robbie Henson. Um, it is a movie that was made in 2006 um, about uh, spooky happenings in a small town in Texas. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just a, a disclaimer up front, this one's a Christian movie, although you may not know that if you watched it, like if you're just coming into it, although I guess the title kind of gives it away. Yeah, it's it's about as Christian as an episode of Supernatural. Yeah, so, you know, it's 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 basically a horror film with a few kind of demons and angels thrown in, I think. Rather unexpectedly thrown yeah. in as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. It has some very wooden acting and some slightly less wooden acting in it. Yes. Um, and and the ba- Sorry, the basics of the plot, perhaps? Yes. Go sorry. into that. So, the plot. Three years ago, Travis's wife was horribly murdered and now their dog is dying. What a sad beginning, honestly. Yeah, the dog thing kind the of dog thing broke is, me up. is really, really sad. Meanwhile, in the little southern town of Antioch, some weird shit is going down. People are claiming to have seen Jesus and been healed by him. Local church leaders get together and then they have a fight because they're church leaders and they can't get along. Um, but that that uh, brings up one of, one of the best lines of the whole movie. Why don't you do what you always do? Make something up. Yeah, I which like is that. great. Uh, meanwhile, a man in a wheelchair regains use of his legs, a girl's facial scars heal, and Travis's dog miraculously jumps out of his grave and everyone's fine. But Travis, our our leading man, and his friend, the sceptical lady vet, <laughs> think something is afoot and they start investigating. And their investigations lead them out to this creepy old farm where we find Edward Furlong, yeah. of all people. He's gotten a little fat and now he's Jesus. And he's not dead. I really thought he was dead and I'm trying to figure out who Isn't it is who terrible? actually... I know who it is. Brad Renfro. That's who oh. I've been mixing him up with. Whoops. We're really sorry, Eddie Furlong. You're not dead. We get that. I'm really sorry, Brad Renfro, for thinking you were Eddie Furlong. Yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, so if you're wondering what Eddie Furlong's been up to since Terminator 2, well, in 2006, he made a little Christian movie where he played this uh, Messiah-like cult leader. I guess. I mean, the best way to describe him? He's pretending to be Jesus is the idea. Yeah, the idea is that he's the second coming of Jesus, which leads to a very amusing moment, actually, in the film for me um, at the end where he, you know, takes the hair off and reveals himself. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he de-wigs. Yeah, I thought that was terrific. <laughs> he's just a man. Um, but, yeah, he, he's pretending to be the second coming of Jesus. There's um, some creepy boy band guys that follow him right. around everywhere. So, yeah, it's, it's actually they're actually really good at, at setting the mood. Every time one of these miraculous events happen, you see this creepy blonde guy who looks – well, I, I kept calling him the guy from Bross. <laughs> but, yeah, he's kind of like a – if Eric the Vampire let himself go to seed. Mm. That, yeah, Ling is long-haired blonde guy and he's got these two creepy friends and they, they turn up at all of these so-called miracles. And they said this, then, and they actually did quite a good job of setting this mood of spookiness. And- Eric the Vampire is true blood, yes? Yes. Okay. That's um, 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 Skarsgård. Yes, that's it. Alex okay. Skarsgård, yeah. Sorry, I had to figure that out sure. before we could continue she does. or else I'd be stuck on it all night. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, it it does do. I mean, it's it does a horror movie job of creating the mood. Like yeah. it, it's really quite standard as far as scary movies go. You don't do you really like scary movies generally? I hate scary movies, I and thought. I almost never watch horror. I watched this one because we needed a movie to watch, and also we've been making fun of it since forever. <laughs> this is part of my husband's DVD collection, and even even he thinks it's a dis- he to him the movie is a huge disappointment because he read the novel and loved the novel. It's based on a novel by a guy called Frank Peretti who writes 
kind of supernatural horror movie, uh, novels with a Christian theme. Mm. So anyway, yeah, so he was really disappointed. He's like, oh, the book is so much better, which is really funny because most of the time it's us saying to him how much better the, the book is than the movies. And he's like, oh, whatever, let them let them have their movie. But anyway, Katie and I didn't hadn't read the book and we just came into it clean. And we we're also kind of came into it hugely cynical, like, oh, no, it's a Christian movie. It's going to be awful. And it wasn't. No, well, it's not. I mean, it's a B movie. It's, it's not a, a good movie. movie. But as far as B movies go, it's fine. It's not the yeah. worst I've seen. It's better than a lot of the TV movies I've seen. So, you know, it's it's okay. Yeah. And so it, it turns out we didn't hate it and we quite enjoyed the uh, schlocky B horror. It pretty much hits every horror movie cliche that is that goes around. There's, uh, well, we've got the creepy, creepy blonde guys and his offsiders, people dressed in black. There's a teenager who has dyed his hair black and is wearing an earring. So, so you know he's rebellious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is a cult leader who's targeting all the hot young women. There is a scene where the aforementioned not really evil teenager has to run off through a cornfield. <laughs> And uh, then run back the other way. Runs back the other way because <laughs> runs through the cornfield and discovers the people burying some bodies. He's like, "Oh, I'm getting out of here!" And then he just runs back, back in the direction he came from, which I found There's, really um, funny. The cinematography is really kind of uh, it's it's that realistic shot on video type feel. It feels very indie. Uh, you get you've got flickering fluorescent lights. That's another great horror movie cliche. Mm. The uh, jump cut teleportation skill that uh, that some actually I'm seem pretty to sure. Get. Is- cut straight from the ring like there was a scene where there's an old lady and i'm watching it going oh look the little girl from the ring grew up to be a creepy old lady yeah yeah like literally the the effects were that much like the ring yeah so if you you know it hits every every cliche in the book and it and some that you know have come in recently but yeah yeah yeah. it is good fun it is fun um now the whole thing the whole thing is resolved in a really, really silly way. It, it builds up and builds up and it, it starts to – everyone's – at first, you know, everyone thinks his cult leader is great except the, our, our hero and his uh, his girlfriend, uh, Lady Vet. We'll call him Travis and the Lady Vet. Anyway, everyone everyone thinks this guy is great and this revival is wonderful and they're just filled with the spirit apparently. But uh, our, our sceptical heroes are not and they they lead us on this path. And, and little by little we get this reveal that, yeah, Maybe this guy isn't the Messiah. He is just a very naughty boy. <laughs> I would rather have watched that instead, to be honest. Well, That's a Monty Python reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... And so little by little we start to reveal this. And I, I was getting like, yeah, you should never trust cult leaders. And don't just because, when someone says they're Jesus, they probably aren't. And if they weren't, he he, he does this thing. Now, there's, there's some overtones in there that are like spoken in Christian. Like if you don't speak Christian, you might not have noticed them. But there's some stuff in there like... Uh, him talking about how you can't just show up and show devotion to me on Sunday. You have to show it every day and I need you to do this and this or else you'll be unhealed. And a lot of and, that love, uh, yeah. you have to t- tell me you love me and show you love yeah. me and say and you love so, me over and over and obviously, again. Like, obviously this is portrayed as a dangerous thing because these people actually haven't done anything wrong. He's just asking for more than they really should be giving. But that that's actually kind of uh, standard Christian speak. That's what you have to, that's what you should you need to do you, you submit yourself to Jesus and you don't just worship him on Sundays but you make sure you give yourself to him every day of the week but of course like it's, it becomes quite clear that this is not not what you do now if it had been a secular horror movie you might well have gone down the path of you can't trust the cult leaders we've got to un- deprogram everybody out of this cult and maybe there are some aliens involved which is what I was thinking until like yeah. a, quite a way into the movie so where to are be the honest. aliens coming and 
it turns out it's much easier to do it than that. There's a deus ex machina that is really, really literally involves deus because he, what happened, we've got another character played by Randy Travis, who's a country singer. Cause now, you know, it's a good movie when there's a country singer involved. So anyway, Randy Travis plays a pastor who we've seen at the beginning when all the other, all the local religious folk got together and couldn't agree what to do about this so-called messiah. Anyway, eventually he comes back. He prays over someone who's Michael, uh, Michael the teenager, the, the teenager, the, the uh, dyed hair and the earring. He prays over him and he says, "Demon, be gone!" <laughs> and the demon is gone, and it's he's like- cured. Like all these, this black stuff flies out of his mouth, and quite literally, now we can uh, we can fix everybody with exorcisms. It, it's the, there are entire movies built up around exorcisms. Like, I don't three. know, The Exorcist or The Exorcism of Emily Rose or a million different things like that. This movie comes along. There's a guy having, like, what looks like an epileptic fit on the ground. A pastor goes over and puts his hand on, it, on him and says, Jesus, drive the unclean thing out of him. It goes out and he's like, now the unclean thing is gone. And he was all better. <laughs> and that's e- even it. though, Even though, and here's, here's one of these plot holes. The demons had saved him from death. But he was still alive after the demons had been driven out. But the dog, in just a horribly sad moment, the dog had been pulled out of his grave, and then so he was—he died again once the demons had been driven out of him. They basically took this perfectly sweet, innocent dog, killed, killed it, him, brought it back as an evil zombie dog that terrorized its old master, and then killed it again. Who does that? It's That's so mean. Sad. So sad. This poor dog. So much more invested in the dog storyline than any of the humans. Yeah. But anyway, so it could all be fixed by doing some exorcisms. And that was kind of, the exorcisms were kind of awesome. They were, but it's just so, like, when that yeah. first happened, both of us were just like, what? And yeah. laughing so hard because it just came out of nowhere. It did. It seemed to come out of nowhere. And, and that's where you, you tell this movie is a Christian movie aimed at a Christian audience because to a Christian audience, angels and demons are in the world all around us all the time. But for us, we're like, demons? Is that even a thing anymore? I think we are probably cynical types. This whole uh, generalization about Christian people is probably not accurate um, with all the angels and demons and all that stuff. There's a lot of people who do believe it. There's a lot of people who don't. Um, Right. I'm not I'm not, uh, sorry. I don't want to make that that a generalization, but in Christian uh, mythology. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I say that. In the Christian like uh, Okay, here's the thing. A lot of this stuff that we're talking about, like Lucifer and that is mythology, all of that I sort guess. of thing, that actually is okay, mythology. It's right. not mentioned in the Bible. All of the demons and that sort of thing, a lot of that yeah. stuff isn't but mentioned anyway, in it, the Bible. It is, there is stuff in the Bible about demons being yes. driven out of people who are ill and being healed by having a demon driven out of you. It's a thing in, in Christian life and that's yeah. whether or not you know you literally believe in it or you don't, it's something you might have expected and especially – when you're set in this uh, southern Texan town called Antioch, <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that, that was that was kind of one of those things where it might have gone over the like when it went a little bit over our heads, or it, mm. it wasn't quite pitched right for a general audience, but it, it would have been pitched right for a Christian audience. And the ending, of course, is super Christian. And of co- and of course, our um, our hero Travis. Did I forget to mention that he was a pastor who had I stopped? Think so I think it might actually I think it might have been in the in might the, have been in my little blurb uh, that I read out. Yeah, but yeah. To, anyway, Travis was a pastor who lost his faith after his beloved wife, wife died. Was murdered. Mm. Yeah, and in a, in the scene that I found really amusing, where he's trying to give the um mm. the. Wait, funeral. He's trying to, you know, yeah, do the funeral. Like- and he's like, do any of you guys really believe all of this? It's, you know, crap. And he puts the Bible on the on the grave and he just, uh, on the coffin, he just walks out yeah, of his wife's funeral. Out. And I was like, 
What? Well, I was okay. like, what, what pastor conducts his own wife's funeral? Surely that's way too hard. Surely one of his pastor colleagues Movie would pastors. help us out. Anyway, so yeah, the the of course the beginning we we do have it set up over the whole course of the movie that he's lost his wife, he's lost his faith, he started drinking and eating pizza all the time. <laughs> the and, usual sins associated with losing your faith in God. Yeah, and, and of course the ending says the wine is, drinker <laughs> says, "What's wrong with drinking wine? God likes wine. He turned water into it." Um, I just think that's funny. Yeah, but and, and anyway, so he anyway he lost his faith early on, and at the end when this big moment he has to save lady vet his his girlfriend well we think we think they're ending up together they don't it doesn't it's not made clear but anyway he, they do say i mean they say you know yeah. kill anybody kill me don't kill yeah her. He, he, he's trying to save his save the lady vet from the big bad murderer and he but they can't kiss before marriage sorry that oh, was bad oh is that it right <laughs> i don't think i don't so. think that's true it didn't seem quite that <laughs> they do hold hands yeah, they do get. They talk about being fundamentalists, but I don't think they're that fundamentalists. They 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 still want to live in the real I'm world. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. bad. I know we're terrible. <laughs> anyway, so he quite literally throws a Bible to stop a knife being shoved into her, mm. and it all works out beautifully. And she's like, "Oh, that's the Bible that uh, Randy Travis gave me." I don't remember Randy Travis's name. Kyle. No, no, Carl. Carl. Oh, is it? Is it Carl. Kyle or Carl? Because Kyle and Carl are two different characters. Kyle's the pastor, and Carl is that doctor that you're right. Randy Travis into... is Kyle, yeah. and Carl is this Carl doctor is that helps her, her doctor friend who helps her out at the hospital when they needed um, something. Randy Travis was my favorite just because every time he, he showed so up, funny. I got to listen to his voice, and it was fantastic. Yeah, he, <laughs> he has this pretty... great voice. Um, I think also, um, going back to something that I wanted to say ages ago, yeah. I do like horror movies. I've watched yeah. probably a lot more than you have. Um, which is why when Melissa went, it got creepy. I looked up and I was like, "When?" I know oh, it was creepy. I thought it was genuinely creepy. I'm, I know. I'm a really big wimp, so I'm, I'm the best person to judge this. I thought it was quite creepy. They were pretty good. At, and there's a scene. Oh my god, there's a scene. Right? They have they drive off to chase down a lead two hours out of town, and of course they arrive there in the dark, and that's fine. And that lead gives them another lead. And instead of, like, I don't know, going home and sleeping, in the middle of the night they drive out into some forest and they go through this abandoned cabin. It's super spooky. And and I thought really actually well done, a well-done horror scene. So I, I, I got creeped out, especially early on. <laughs> and then, of course, I was creeped out by um, Eddie Furlong and his cult leader because cult yeah. leaders make me stabby. Yeah, it. I just... Yeah, it, I didn't find it scary. Um, I have a higher tolerance for horror movies, and I was just like, it got her, scary you can hear when she's laughing at me. Right? <laughs> you can hear that. <laughs> I'm not laughing at she's you. She's laughing just, at me. I'm just laughing at your lack of horror movie um, acumen, I suppose. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm <being> scared. <laughs> but the part. To be fair, at the part where you were getting scared, I got so bored that I was playing games on my computer and I was like, I should probably put this away because I don't know what's happened for the last oh. five minutes because I was so bored. I've been <laughs> that part of the movie. I, I'm a pretty, I'm like that too. I'm the worst at watching TV and being on the computer. But I thought for these two movies, because I had to make a podcast about them, I thought I should be a good girl who paid attention. I took notes even. It even took notes. I know. I'm very proud. Yeah. But yeah, I, I watched Big Trouble in Little China with the computer away the first time I watched it. Yeah. The, the visitation, I was like, yeah. Um, it. I don't know if it warranted my full attention, to be honest. I could pretty much figure out what was going on without oh, it. Oh, right. Yeah. We were, we were all, we were both like, well, in some, in some plot points, we're like 90 minutes ahead of the movie. <laughs> yeah. On other plot points, we were a good 10 minutes ahead of the movie. <laughs> was, it was, it's not, Unpredictable. There was. There's not, not really any twists to it, but you know what's going to happen. 
there's one particular point that I really want to bring up that that pretty much just upset me, and I didn't like it very much, which is the fact that the bad guy Edward Furlong, when he um, this is spoilers, by the way. If you don't want to be spoiled for the visitation, don't keep listening. Um, when he's revealed to be, you know, the charlatan that he, he is. He already spoiled people. <laughs> Did yeah. we? At the end, he saves her with the Bible. Oh. See, I find that less spoilery, I guess. Yeah, um, okay. Sorry. But yeah, Eddie Furlong. When he, uh, he is revealed to be the bad guy, um, it's revealed that he was the victim of child molestation by the former priest. Like horrible abuse at the hands of his father. And then really horrible. terrible yeah. abuse. And mol- well, uh, yeah, ho- physical abuse, definitely. I don't know about sexual abuse. No, 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 because he was molested by the priest. That's why the priest left town. And then he tells the pr- uh, the, our priest, oh, our okay. pastor, Travis. Yeah, he tells him that he's hurting me. That's yeah, he's he says, talking about his father the- is, is crucifying him. No, that happens after. So what happens oh. is he he was molested by the first priest. He goes to tell a different priest, thinking Travis, thinking our that the priest, other priest is going to be able to help him. He goes to the authorities. The authorities Which is go to his, his version of helping. By the way, that's, yes. I think that's fine. That's a perfectly reasonable reaction. It is. Yeah. However, the authorities prove not to be trustworthy. They they go to um, Edward Furlong's dad's house. Um, Edward Furlong's dad gets mad at him for going to a charlatan other priest from another faith. Yeah. gets really angry with him and then crucifies him up on the fence. Yeah. So what you get is him being abused originally by, his like, molested by the um, priest and then being physically abused by his father. Both of these things happen and then he's the bad guy, which yeah. in a Christian allegory, like, in a Christian story, I find that really, mm. really awful. Like, I don't know why you would want to yeah. go down that path, but that was a – poor choice yeah. as far as well, I'm I concerned. Think, I think the poorest choice was that he wasn't redeemed at the end because there are some other characters. It was actually rather an interesting scene earlier on where uh, the man who was in a wheelchair and was healed and he could walk, he's shooting at them from the house where the cult leader is all holed up and the um, you know the, the sheriff and Travis and the lady vet don't want to shoot back at him because they know he's a person and he like they know him, he's their friend. They just know that he's being possessed at this time, mm. and they know that he will be redeemed. So it's quite, quite, quite this interesting view of some people who are temporarily villains because they're actually the the, our, our, the characters that we're on side with know that they're not really villains and that they see them as people, which is quite a, a nice Christian way of looking at things. Like that, every every person is a soul, and that you know they might just have a demon at the moment. But the Eddie Furlong character doesn't get that, and he has been through this horrible, like truly horrific childhood. Yeah, no, there's a line that Travis actually says mm. to him. I don't know if you you might have missed this in all of the screeching lights and <laughs> panic, but there's a line that he says to him where he says, those scars didn't entitle you to kill my wife, yeah. which is basically their way of saying, just because your priest felt you up and your dad abused you doesn't give you the right to try and save yourself by, you know, because he prays to God and then he makes a deal with the devil. Well, he's being... He's 12 years old and being, like, crucified on this fence. And they're like, you shouldn't have done that. You're a bad person. You're going to hell. And you're like, okay, that's not horrifying at all. Like, it's just awful. And and it's such a – it just seemed to me to be such a bad path to go down considering all of the uh, uproar and all of the horrible things that are coming out about Christian priests and things, you know? Like, it's just like – I'm, I know they're not all bad, believe me. Like, I'm not trying to say that they're all bad or anything. But do you really want to do this in this Christian movie or mm. this Christian book? Do you really want to go down the path of, Same, yeah, those kids who got felt up yeah, are the, the ones who are now horrible murderers? Yeah, I know. And yeah. and, and that, 
that being abused as a child and then making poor choices as you get older um, makes you a bad person. Like, yeah. not trying to get to the root of this trauma, but just saying, oh, you went through a trauma. Tough luck. You should still be a yeah. good person. I, I felt like awful. That, yeah. I, I felt like yeah, that was cruel. They didn't weren't able to redeem him from his trauma. And to say that, like, you know, there's – yeah, he could have been redeemed and he wasn't. And it, it was like he was, he sort of refused to, but then – at the same time, Travis is the is the grown up here, and so he's the one who had the power to redeem him and, and say, "Look, you know, you I think you say you want to go to hell, but you're not. So I'm gonna, you know, or try and you save or him or something. something. It just seemed yeah, like it, it was, was like cool. you did bad things. Now you're going to die and going to hell. Tough luck. Mm. Like it was just really awful. Um, there's another thing earlier in the movie. There's a girl who has scars. Now, oh yeah. To be fair, I didn't notice this at all. When she started talking about her scars being healed, I'm sitting there like, oh, wait, what she had scars? scars? Yeah. That was not well set up mm. in the slightest. Um, but, you know, the, she was healed with her most scars, whatever. But then it's like, if you are mis- disfigured by something that's happened to you, you should just stay disfigured rather yeah. than try and help yourself. Like a lot of things like that that I was just like, this is really a negative message. Yeah. Really, like, unpleasant messages coming through a lot of the time in this movie. Um, I know it's a horror movie and all that sort of thing, but these were, like, the, supposed to be the moral parts, you know? Like, there were a couple of things that made me really, really uneasy about the morals of the story. So, what, she shouldn't have he tried to heal his scar? So what, yeah, she, basically. She, that was they saying. Okay. I mean, that's – I don't well, know if I was reading it wrong, but basically because okay. she – she goes and gets healed and her scars are healed by being possessed by demons. By demons yeah. Um, of course. And then when she gets I guess they get unpossessed, unpossessed. if they've been far away from him for a while or yeah. something and all of her scars come back and and you know, her dad's tumour comes back and her mum's ins- weird insanity but comes I, I, back. Yeah. I don't know what was going on with her mother, but she was crazy when she was in the cult. So, Well, yeah, she she spoke in tongues at first and then, and then she, <laughs> she had lots – she seemed to have lots of um, church-based orgasms. Uh, <laughs> she seemed to be taken with the ecstasy of the spirit. But, yeah, then and, uh, yeah. that family well, suffered horribly for, did. like, making that choice – yeah. Based on the well, fact. Well, I think that was the point of that message, though, is that there's no easy fixes. I guess like so. Like that you have a scar and that's terrible. Um, there isn't actually anything we can do about it, but what you can do is learn self-acceptance, use conventional medicine in the case of her father who had a tumour. Like that there's – I don't know. I, think, I don't think that's a terrible message. I I don't either, but it seems like they were being punished for wanting to to try and help be, themselves. Yeah. yeah, like the guy who wanted to get out of his wheelchair, and he was exactly yeah. yeah. And it's like they because they got fooled and sucked in, and they had to be punished for that. And I'm like, but he was this really charismatic guy who really did help them. I can kind of see where they're coming from too, and I yeah. don't know why they have to be punished quite so badly for doing that. Yeah, I felt a bit um, sorry for them as well. Oh, and yeah, it made me a bit uncomfortable, but um. Mm. As, like, a straight-up horror movie, there were a lot of really fun things about it. It wasn't to me – I mean, I've seen scarier episodes of television, like, yeah. really. There were um, some spooky bits, but I, I don't know. I think I've trained myself to, that I know that they're always going to be fine, but I, there were definitely some spooky bits. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, it didn't really – I think maybe I was just reading too much into the whole, you know – um, Christian side of things, the message side of things, and yeah. reading, trying to find well, the messages yeah. in it. Because it, feel, it feels like that. Because I hadn't, I didn't even sort of think through some of that stuff. I was just like, to me, as a non-Christian, I, I feel like it's a better message to say to people: Look, you can't, you actually can't rely on the supernatural to yeah. fix you. You have to fix your like. Some, it's not 
your scars or your tumor or your lack of ability to walk that you need to fix. It's something you have within yourself that you need to fix. Yeah, I suppose yeah. so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They didn't Which seem to be that upset in the first place. No. So. Uh, <laughs> I well, I, they, they, they didn't, didn't. They didn't set that up very well, though. Like no. we see the sheriff taking pills, and I was like, "Oh, he's on pills," but it's not. He's like taking aspirin to dull his pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's another one. Is she doesn't? We never find out why she has scars. We no, never. We didn't it, even see relevant. them before they got healed. It's, um, it's not really but, relevant to the plot. Yeah. So why is it then that mm. she needs to fix her? Like she gets upset when they come back, not that she had them in the first place. Yeah. It's just cruelty that they take them away and then they give them back. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's it's yeah. I know, all I a bit. Know. I yeah. don't know. I was okay with that. That was kind of self-acceptance message. Which you can. I don't know if that was. Really? Oh, I don't. I didn't. I, I, maybe I it's just it me. Way. I didn't feel like it was a self-acceptance message. Yeah, I didn't feel like any of it was a self-acceptance. Like, I think it was trying to say there's no easy answers for things and no shortcuts and, you know, that's not and what God's about. But if tells you that they're Messiah, they're probably not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But mm. at the same time, like before they said, this is the thing, before he said he was a messiah, before he did any of that, they started healing people. Yeah, that's that what he did. Like he go, went around healing people. So it, it's not like they went, oh, I'm going to believe in him and then he's no, going to heal he, me. He got, he got them healed before he got them worked up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you yeah. sort of, I can really see where most of the people were coming from before mm. he started with his whole creepy thing. And by that stage, They'd already been possessed and been healed of yeah. things. And, so. and that's why by the end they've all been, you know, removed of their, like, literal demons. Not all of them. Michael, for some reason, died and then was fine. Yeah, well, that was interesting. I think, though, because you might be right, they might have pulled him out of the car before it crashed. That's what I, like, yeah. that's what I thought I saw. I think that's how that plot hole works. I think he was pulled out of the car before it crashed. Yeah. And that's how he managed to survive, even though he was dead or whatever. Which, by the way, is a um a thought I got from this movie, Flight of the Navigator. I don't know if you've seen it. If I you haven't, haven't, but I know what you're talking about. It's it's very cool movie, uh, 80s kids movie that is great and people oh, should okay. see it. Yeah, <laughs> Flight of the Navigator. Sure, why not? Give it a um, go. Which is literally he gets pulled out of um mm. he 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 falls down a ditch and but he gets pulled out and then he gets put back in there. Yeah. So he was going to die and doesn't. And then he ah, okay. he gets but he gets put back there like. Yeah. Something like 10 years later in mm-hmm. his time, their time. So he's a little boy and his yeah. parents and his little brother have all grown up, oh. um, mm-hmm. which makes for some really great, interesting scenes. Oh. Um, oh, okay. which, I guess I should yeah, check great that movie. one out. Maybe, maybe it's something we can do in a future podcast. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the list of future podcast movies <laughs> grows and grows all the time. I hope Netflix has some of these or iTunes or whoever we're going to get these off. I hope I get to see some that I haven't seen before. Oh, I'd- yeah, you should stop telling me then. And we'll, we'll, we'll find – actually, yeah, you're right. We should find one – Neither of us have seen and talk about them. That's far more fun. Well, I think it'd be fun if yeah. we do a bit of both. Do a bit of bit of all of that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I th- I got I got completely lost. Oh yeah. So what I was saying was about these the characters. Nobody is worse off than when they started. Like they're physically, they might be in the same condition that they were in when they started. Emotionally, they've come through on a journey. I suppose That's so. There is gone. actually once the demons come out, or when when they're in the cult and they're away from him for a long time. Everything was getting worse. Like she well, was saying, my scars are getting worse. No, His no, no. tumor got worse. That wasn't worse. because they were away from him. That was because they stopped following him. So, or, or she, she, her scars, scars started getting worse when she wouldn't do. Like he pulled aside all yeah. the hot young women, and he went. He, she was like, no, I'm not doing what you want me to. do. They don't show you what he wants them to do, but the implication is that he tries to to have sex with them. Yeah, I think. And she says no, and so that means. It's not that she's – it means that she stops believing him. She starts to become disenchanted because she, but she they knows don't, that he's not for real. 
from what I can tell, it wasn't like they were back to where they were before. It was that they were worse than they were before. Her. Her, like when they were talking about the tumor, the tumor's worse. It's going to kill you. Um, she was like, my scars are way worse because the one on her well, head, it had grown. grows like it's huge. Oh. It's twice the size that it was. Or perhaps I don't, I don't know. So uh, I don't know okay. if they get. I don't know if they stay worse. I couldn't tell. This movie tell. is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's entirely. Yeah, Maybe that's why I read it differently. Is because they were mm. saying, oh, it's getting worse. It's a lot worse. I didn't really notice that because I just thought, oh, his his tumor is bigger because it's been however many weeks and he hasn't actually had it fixed. Oh, okay. I thought that it was because they yeah. were making it worse because oh, they were far away from him or something. No, it wasn't because he was far away. It was because they stopped believing in him. Yes. So that, that had nothing to do with being far away. It's that they broke the spell that he had them under. Yeah. Which so, then why the, the demons – I don't know. I'm going to give up on trying to figure this movie no, out now. We should, yeah, I, mean, I liked really, it more when I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun B horror movie. We really shouldn't think too hard about it. It was, it was perfectly fine as it went. And I think uh, somebody might have tried to get us to watch it because he thought we'd really hate it and just rip into it and then that would make a good podcast. <laughs> but guess what? We didn't hate it. Oops. We didn't love it. We, we didn't, didn't love it, it, but we didn't hate it. No. But we still had fun talking about it, I think. Yeah, we did. And we had fun. Like, we were laughing watching it. Yeah, we had and fun. some people got scared watching it. Some people. I wasn't too scared. I just noticed that it was a spooky scene. There were a couple I of bits that maybe were a little bit creepy i guess yeah. oh like going out to that that you know cabin in the woods type thing that's another horror movie cliche tick cabin in the woods is one of my favorite movies yes, of all yes, time yes. cabin in the woods she loves it joss whedon whatever <laughs> move on um yeah there was a couple of creepy scenes but it was you know, a pretty good b-grade horror movie you want to give verdict sure um i gave the visitation two out of five stars yeah i'm two out of five as well it was it was a fun way to spend the afternoon i probably wouldn't seek this movie out but it was there, and we had kind of we had a bit of fun watching it, and yeah, it wasn't it was fine as far as it went. Yeah, if you know, we had a TV that worked as a TV, and it happened to be on on some afternoon, I'd probably sit down and watch it. Totally would. Yeah, it was good fun. Anyway, that's uh, Silver Screen Queens episode number four. We've talked about visitation, and uh, if you want to find out anything more, read the show notes, download our other podcasts. You can visit our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at screen underscore queens. And I will be writing up a review of this movie on my blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. What did I do that one for? Um, yes. I will be writing this movie up on my blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Silver Screen Queens. Bye. Bye.